Why have the Utah Utes struggled in their biggest road games on the season? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Love interacting with you guys in the YouTube comments, as well as on social media. You can follow me at JT Wistersill or our show at Locked On Utes. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And joining me on today's show to help me break down what's going on with this Utah football team on the road this season in big games and talking about Kyle Whittingham's weekly press conference. What we learned from today's presser from Coach Witt is friend of the show and the former host of this podcast, Brian Brown, who is absolutely ready for the start of the World Cup to cheer on USA. Brian, appreciate you joining us as always. And for this Utah football team, if you look at them on the season, you go in the first game, it's the Florida game. You lose it, and it's one of the worst tackling performances we've seen from this Utah football team pretty much ever. And then late Cam comes up short with the interception. But my biggest thing in that one was the tackling. Then you look at the UCLA game. The defense really struggled in that one. Offense had a couple of turnovers late. That kind of put the nail in the coffin. I didn't put that one as much on the offense. It felt like either because, I mean, it's just hard to win when you give up 40 points in general. But we saw this Utah football defense give up 40 points, and the offense respond at home against USC, get a big win there, the biggest win of the season for the Utes, and they won 43-42 to in that one. But then you look at the most recent one against Oregon, and this is the one where it really hurts because you get an unbelievable second half from this Utah football defense. I mean, Clark getting the turnover, Karene getting the scoop and score, and the offense just came up short. So when talking about this Utah football team's road struggles, I just feel like it's a reflection of what this team actually is. This is a really good football team. It's not a great football team. If you're a great football team, you go in on the road and you get these wins. And you don't. I just don't feel like this is a great team because they've come up short in those areas, whether it is some of Cam's inaccuracy issues at times on the season or the defense just not being on the same page in situations. Just everything hasn't clicked in sync in ways we hoped it would. And for me, that's what's held this team back from reaching their goals. I think when you talk about great football teams, you talk about talent, you talk about execution, you talk about leadership. Uh, I think last year's team, the talent was was pretty high, you know, especially with a guy like Devin Lloyd, and, and we saw Cam Rising come onto the scene and perform so well. But it was really the execution and the leadership that were really high, high markers. This year's team felt like it was more talented, right? But mm-hmm. The experience factor coming into play early, especially in a game on the road against Florida, I think you saw that. A few guys who had not played college football ever starting off in that game or guys who hadn't played college football in a few years, um, whether through injuries or transfers or whatever it was, right? There were a variety of factors, and that game was, you know, fans love to talk about the slow starts, right? Um, and, and, And in theory, you should come out every single time and know what you want to do, execute it, and and go right after whatever the team is. First games are always a little bit tough to go with slow starts, especially on defense, um, because you really don't know what that other team is going to look like. You haven't really seen them, and you've been going up against your own guys in practice for an entire month. So that one I can kind of forgive. You talk about the UCLA and now Oregon games, 
And now it's like, why are these guys always starting off almost lethargic on the road for every single game? And I flash back to a comment from Kyle Whittingham when he was talking about NIL. And he said that it's just going to be the teams with the most money that end up rising to the top because you can't just outwork everyone. And it makes me wonder if the tone set with that Florida game was we just have to outwork everyone and everything and do everything we possibly can this season. And maybe this team is just tired. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just been, you know, we, we've we heard so much talk about Bloody Tuesday and, and the hard hitting and everything like that. And That's a good point. that is who Kyle Whittingham is at his core. When things get tough, I work harder. I fight back. You know, he loves phrases like, fist fight in a phone booth these kinds of almost you know like like romantic phrases that talk about toughness and grit and physicality and you have to wonder after everything that team went through last year the number of games played and everything like that and and especially seeing the number of injuries maybe this team is just overworked yeah i think that's a really good point it's something i didn't even think about is just the overworked aspect because as you mentioned it is kind of lethargic those slow starts so are they more worn down than some of these teams later on in the season is it a reason maybe a guy like cam we don't know how much he has or hasn't been practicing but he's clearly not right is that been affecting him not being able to get a little healthy is how hard he's been practicing those are things that do make it very interesting and difficult to tell and it's just it is interesting you mentioned just last year's team and like how much of returning talent you had but i actually saw a photo recently of uh you know the utes players on the pac-12 stage and you look up there and it's minka tafua cam rising devin lloyd Britton covey three of those players aren't here and that's that leadership aspect we were talking about and i think and i've talked about this a few times on the show but the loss of devin lloyd was something i just think that it was like well we'll have other guys step up like this utah defense will be okay you just forget the plays he made against stanford against washington state against oregon in the pac-12 championship game he was a special game-changing player i honestly don't think this team loses to florida in week one if they have devin lloyd i think he's that good of a player so it's just something where it's just tough to replace a lot of those guys even though you had other guys coming up we were asking a lot of certain players to step in and fill up to those voids and maybe in a lot of ways they have been overworked as you mentioned guys have been playing out of position a little bit we talked a lot on yesterday's show about how it feels like Diabate should have been rushing from the start this season because he did it got it done again and was able to get some pressure on a really good Oregon offensive line and for a team that struggled to get pressure for so much of the season it's just like why wasn't it a change earlier so it's and, a lot and, of and I think you and I know our, our, our good friend Brandon Olson locked on Gators Pass along that information. Like he's yeah. great in the rush game. He's great off the edge. He's not great as a linebacker. And some of that was the pitch to to Mo. Like, we're gonna make you a great NFL linebacker. Yeah. We're gonna put you in the middle. We're gonna let you let you do all this stuff. Some of that is just this this program is so predicated on development and this is who we are, and we never deviate from it. And they get locked in their ways. And you can call it ego if you want. I I, I just Sorry, America just scored a goal, and I'm trying not to go b- bananas. There we go. Lock you would it, not expect me. Goal. There you go. You would not expect me to be soccer guy, but when it comes to World Cup, I'm all in. Um, USA, baby. Yes, these colors do not run, and they yeah. also turn on in my office. But yes, I know. Um, but the the point at hand here is that you know you have to be flexible. You have to make changes, and you have to recognize that stuff. You know, I think after the Florida game, easy to come back to the drum or easy to come back and just say, hey, look, we got to we got to go nose nose to the grindstone. Right. 
but there were signs all along that Utah was not getting the kind of pressure that they needed, you know, and, and that's some of that is the hard part about the early season schedule, Mm -hmm. but I think we saw it all along and this, they were just so reluctant to make those changes. And I think some of it just showed up in, in Oregon this weekend, especially on offense. And you had guys that are beat up. And I know Kyle Whittingham said that if you're on the field, you're good to go. And he, but he used Bo Nix as an example of all things. And I, I, Kyle Whittingham and I are definitely not watching the same game. Let's let's be honest, because he is his football knowledge, his acumen, everything he knows about football is through the roof. But how do you watch that game and say Bo Nix was good to go? Yeah, oh, was no, he, exactly. There was a point where they motioned Bo out of the backfield, and it looked like he needed a walker yeah. to get <laughs> out there. And my man Thor just making an appearance. Yes, a Thor, yeah, back. Thor made back-to-back cameos. Yeah, he's loving the spotlight. <laughs> People are all over the place. And that's part of what happens with these games, right? It sends you just shooting. And, you know, I saw online after the game people criticizing Cam Rising. And Josh Newman made a great point. Like, 23 of the 24 games he's played in, he's never had a bad game. Yeah. Summer down. Mm-hmm. But all this stuff starts to add up. And, and you hear some of the comments from Whittingham. And to me, I get it. The guys are on the field. They've got to go out and perform. I didn't see the coaching staff always putting guys in, in place to perform the way they needed to on, on Saturday. And, and, you know, you can talk about it up front. Paul Miley definitely didn't look like he was a hundred percent. That yep. was not the same guy we've seen all year long. He was getting beat to the point of the attack every single play causing Keaton bills issues. You know, we saw Michael Mokofisi go out. Again, how many, how many times game. is he going to leave a game this season? Well, and, and we don't know the injuries. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, I can go off and I can check mark all this stuff that, 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 that Utah does. We never talk about injuries. Well, that's a problem, right? Now it's now now we don't know what's going on and, and we're seeing all this stuff happen. You know, so so there is there is a lot that goes into a loss like this. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just one thing. Um, I think it's a culmination of things. It, yep. It's a tired football team. I think it's a team that's been through a lot. You know, it's a community that's been through a lot. And I think you saw that last year compared to this year, everybody was so quick to embrace these players and now they're going through a different kind of on-field adversity and everybody wants to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So that's a a really like, I just kind of like scattershot at all my ideas a little bit there, but um, I think there's, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that's going on right now. If Bonix is healthy, there's no way he's not on the field for the first snap in the second half. I'll say that for sure. Yeah, Not only that, but like there's one play where they motioned him out of the backfield and Utah didn't yeah. even look at him. Like, no, like yeah. he was not a threat all game long. Now credit to Bo. He ran he couple, positive yardage. Yeah. And, and, and credit to him because he made some pretty amazing throws. And I, uh-huh. again, we don't know what Bo Nix's injury is. It's a lower leg or a foot, yeah. or, you know, like it's a body part injury yes. you know and all this other like these are shenanigans that are so frustrating and and mm-hmm. honestly i'm not i'm not knocking on the coaches this is on the back 12 and this is on the ncaa yes because if you're now instigating and in, introducing gambling to your students as a whole at institutions mm-hmm. you need to make the changes so that everybody reports injuries yeah and i heard chris long talking about it on a podcast too where he's like I had an ankle injury the entire time I was in Philly. I was like, can we put this on the, the injury list? And they're like, no, we don't want to give everything away. It, this, these are such like useless shenanigans. And, really and I think, you know, the problem is that there's so much information and so much investment from the fan side of it. We mm-hmm. have to be better for that aspect of it. These are, these are old school ways 
that we kind of surpassed. So that that's a lot of rambling for me. And I apologize for everybody who's sitting there thinking like, well, I expected you to break down what the blocking scheme was. <laughs> um, but you know, I think that's a lot of the reason why it was is it is at the end of the day, it comes down to the one-on-one battles and you saw the guys that really stepped up were, you know, like on the defensive line, it was Simone Pepe again. Yeah. It was Mo Diabate guys who got put into places to really battle. And you, know, you mentioned Devin Lloyd. I think Devin Lloyd really showcased how much, he helped out Karene Reed. We've seen Karene mm-hmm. Reed, you know, have to grow a lot. And and yeah. he made a big play in this game. Same with Clark Phillips. You know, on, on the flip side, it was just the offensive side of the ball that didn't click. And again, if guys are missing practice, guys are injured, you miss those rhythms. And it would be very easy in my mind to go through an entire week of practice where you're out of sync. And that's the product that you get. I 100% agree. I think everything you said is a thousand percent true and yeah we're going to talk about coach Witt and some of those comments that you referred to and a few of those things in a moment but first want to talk to you guys about upside guys inflation is hitting us all where it hurts and man does it really hurt we all need to think of different ways to cut back whether it's driving less dining out less or buying less from the grocery store we can all agree there's nothing fun about less that's why i started using upside upside is an incredible app from anyone who buys gas groceries or dines out with upside i don't have to cut back because i get cap cash back on every purchase guys upside is super easy to set up and download so get over to the app store today and get in on upside to get started you can download that free app and then use promo code locked and get five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more next claim an offer from wherever you're buying on upside check in at the businesses pay as usual with a credit card or debit card and then you can earn as much as three times more cash back that's why upside users give it a 4.8 star rating on the app store upside is super popular amongst everyone who has it so make sure you guys cash in and get upside you can download the free upside app and use promo code locked that's locked l capitalized everything else lowercase to get five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more that's five dollars or more cash back on your first purchase of ten dollars or more using promo code locked thanks to our friends at upside today's episode is also brought to you by uccu guys uccu is offering a 15 month savings certificate with an incredibly high apy of 4.00 percent plus you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate what's a savings certificate it's like is it that like a savings account a savings certificate is similar to a savings account both are great ways to earn a safe return on your money over time but here's the difference saving accounts typically come with an unlimited deposits and withdrawals but a savings certificate you just make one deposit and then let your money grow and grow and grow and grow with a fixed rate of return that's much higher than a standard savings account how much higher a lot higher you can also get a savings certificate for as little as 500 making this an awesome opportunity for every type of saver big or small UCU is also going to allow you to jump up your interest rate once anytime during the life of your savings certificate. That way, if it yield, if the yields continue to rise, you have the option to jump up to an even higher yield, which makes it a great savings tool in the rising interest rate environment. So make sure you guys visit uccu.com to learn more, get a savings certificate today. Once again, it's a limited time offer. It's a 15th month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. And they have a variety of terms and options to match your specific needs. UCCU love where you bank. I know Kyle Whittingham does not love his kicking situation right now, Brian. And man, has it been an issue all year for this Utah football team. And he mentioned it in the press conference that he just didn't even feel that confident. He said watching the field goals in practice was one of the reasons the team went for it on fourth down with seven minutes left and not kicking to tie the game. And I'm surprised he brought up practice because it was just earlier in the game. You'd missed a one, a shot within 40 yards. I believe it was 34 yards off the top of my head. Now, maybe it was 38. It was one of those two, but either way, just the field goal issues for this team continue to be such an issue. 
And you came into the year with these guys too. You didn't really try to go out and maybe they did try to go out and get someone. We don't know, but it just seems like it was a failure by the staff to not try to really be aggressive and upgrade this kicking position because they mentioned, yeah, I don't feel good about him at practice either. And coach Whittingham has never done really much to empower these guys, especially over the recent weeks. It's kind of just been dumping on him kind of like that from the day he asked said to Josh for do you have any eligibility left to go out there and be a kicker? So it, it's just really concerning for me to hear like, yeah, we don't even have faith in him at practice. Like it just is kind of just that defeatist mindset. I just don't know if I'd be throwing my kickers under the bus like that, but I mean, I get, they do deserve it. <laughs> Well, it's tough because again, like kickers are not like, like you know, Rich Eisen has has had to come out with t-shirts that say punters are people too, yep. right? Because we do not treat punters and kickers the same way. Gordy Chies, a former Utah Jazz head co- or uh, assistant coach, um, used to say, "Hug your point gods," um, and that's a terrible Gordy impression. <laughs> but you need to hug your kickers and your punters because those are guys that are, have a lot of pressure on them. You see the difference between the messaging from Sonny Dykes, for example, mm-hmm. and what TCU was able to pull off and the messaging that we see today. And it's just at some point in time, it's you know, we're now three years into this. Why is the kicking game not working? Why is the punting game not working? Is it just because we don't have a Tom Hackett or a Mitch Wishnowski or a Matt Gay anymore? Or is there something more to this puzzle and I, I just, you know, if you're a kicker and, and we talk about it all the time, you know, I say we, me, you know, coaches in press conferences are not answering to the fans. They're responding in and in, in messaging to the players, to the coaches and to the program. And if that's the messaging that's coming from Kyle Whittingham is that his guys aren't doing it in practice. It's week, what, 14, 13? Yeah, I mean, yeah. What what's going on? Mm-hmm. And 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 if, and if that's the problem, if you're not getting the guys in there, yeah, you know, I mean there have been dudes in this program for a while. You know, Jaden Redding, this is what year three. Like he shouldn't be yeah. regressing. He should be progressing. Same with Jordan Noise. You know, you had a guy in 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 Cameron Peasley who was a good punter. You know, same with Ben Lennon. These are good punters. These are guys who had the leg to do it. Why do we keep having this regression? And, and you know, you in our pre-show discussion, you mentioned, is it time to move on Sharif, from Sharif Shaw? It's kind of it's just a title. Yeah, this is a special teams coordinator because I do think he's yeah. an unbelievable cornerbacks coach, as everyone does. I mean, you look at the job he's done developing guys like Clark and Jalen. I think everyone understands that. But yeah, Zamaya Vaughn. I mean, Zamaya yeah, Vaughn exactly. was a walk-on. And he's yeah. like, you know, I, I tweeted it out, like, we got to extend Zamaya, you know. know. <laughs> this is the way things are starting to go in, in college football now. But – uh, it's just something's got to change there because this is yep. now year three. This is a program that was based on special teams being so productive. So whether it's, you know, you have to find somebody who's going to be a more dedicated special teams coach. And, and I don't like, listen, Kyle Whittingham's taking the reins on this. I, I can almost guarantee it. They have plenty of off field assistants that are helping out and, and yep. trying to strategize and everything like that. The problem is that no matter what changes get made, it seems like the same results. So either you've got to get more, resilient kickers and punters that that you can develop and and be hard and coach hard because this program is about hard this Mm -hmm. program is very difficult to play in i don't think people understand how hard it is the one prevailing thing anytime you talk to transfer man it's hard here it's really hard and that's why you get the devin lloyds of the world the guys who have those elite mentalities go on and be successful so it's just you know can you do that at kicker and punter and if not 
how do you find a way to connect with it? Is there somebody that you can go to in, in terms of consultant or, or, you know, some off season coaching that you can help them technique wise, you know, is, is that something that Kyle needs to take responsibility over? I got questions. I don't have any answers. No, and that's, I think I would ever Utah fan has because it just continues to be an issue and it is very frustrating. And this team has to get the kicking situation figured out because I said, it's them games like in, yeah, in major situations really now. It's really hurt them. It's one of those things where like, there's obviously a lot of things that go wrong during a football game. You would be able to make up some of those. If you had a reliable kicker in those situations, it wouldn't have to put yourself in some of those positions that make it difficult. But Brian, you listen to the press conference too. What was your biggest takeaway? I just, you know, there was a lot of uh, call-outs. Yep. A lot of call-outs. Um, and that's kind of unusual for Kyle Whittingham because he is usually so um, quick to put, you know, the buck stops here. And I didn't hear a lot of whole talk about, like, as a coaching staff, we need to be better. You know, as a coaching staff, we didn't have guys right. prepared. You know, it was Cam's out there. He should be good. Okay. That, you know, weird. I, 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 I just don't know what's going on. You know, and, and I've I've said in the past, like last season had to have worn on the players. Maybe it's worn in this coaching staff, you know, and maybe like, uh, listen, everything is fine. Nothing is on fire up on the hill. Right. Yeah. I just think that a team that had really high expectations mm-hmm. has shot below them. Well, they still absolutely. could make they could still make the Pac-12 championship. They could still, you know, and even that it just feels like disappointing. It's like, well, we, yeah. well, we, if other people help us, we can get it. And it's like, that wasn't supposed to be our season. We were right. supposed to control our destiny, not these yep. other teams. Yep. Yep. You had it all along. And, and, and basically what it was is that UCLA game kind of tipped it initially. Mm-hmm. Now Oregon has really tipped it and now it's beyond your control. It's almost like the very first year in the conference where Utah just has to win one game against Colorado and then everything else will have to unfold. Um, I don't know, man. Like it's going to be really interesting to see. And there are a lot of guys, people are saying like Cam rising needs to come back, come back to what? Yeah. You know, like he had his best year last year and he comes back this year and then he gets hurt and seems to have maybe not regressed, but plateaued. So, so why is he going to come back here? You know? And, and I get the argument that like there's NIL money out there, but you still got to go to class. You know, Mm -hmm. you're still a college student. Like there's still, you know, you're still in this program where they demand so much of you. Why wouldn't you want to go on and be a professional football player, even if you are just on the practice squad? I yeah. So I I don't know. It's yeah. this the the press conference and and part of it was you and I could just only could follow along on on Twitter, so I didn't really catch the tone of it all. Mm-hmm. But it did not feel very positive. And and yes, after losses like this, you got to find some way to love up your guys. Mm-hmm. And I know they said not. They talked about not letting this. Up loss affect you against Colorado. I mean, Utah's yeah, a 29 beat you twice, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Utah's a 29 point favorite there. I think then if something were to happen, that'd be a total disaster, but you make a really good point about cam. It is interesting. Cause we, me and Dante talked about that yesterday. It's like this Utah football team will be better next year. If cam rising is there instead of Nate Johnson, I personally would like to see Nate Johnson. And I, I do kind of, I'm ready for cam to take that next step just because I'm excited to see what Nate can do and the player he can grow into and be. But if camp comes back, it's going to be very good. But you do mention that plateauing. How much better is he going to get? Does it really benefit his draft stock to come back? Because 
look right now, I don't really know if he's going to get drafted. Originally, I was taking staying kind of a day three kind of guy, but after a performance like that in a situation where you've got to have it, and yes, he was hurt, but just not what you want to put on film against a team in Oregon that is a top 15 team. And as we mentioned, those road struggles this year is something that's going to be talked about. His They mentioned it on the broadcast, Cam's numbers on the road are very different than they are at home too. So how much would it benefit him to really come back is, is an interesting discussion. And you're right, all the great coaches, by the way, um, and w- Coach Witt's done this so many times too. They're the ones who at first they take the blame themselves and then look at the other guys. I'm, I'm a Vikings fan, so that shows you how my sports weekend went. That was what Kevin O'Connell did for the Vikings. He came out and said, I didn't have these guys, we didn't have these guys prepared well enough we failed them too and yes the players didn't execute either but that's what you see these guys normally do instead of that deflecting and there was so much of it to your point at the end of the day and i know nil is a factor now that guys are getting paid but the biggest paycheck in the building is still kyle whittingham's yep and and it's his job to make sure that this team is ready to be ready prepared uh prepared to play prepared to execute all this kind of stuff and if your guys are not mentally in the game or if your guys are mentally fatigued or physically fatigued, if your guys are burned out, that's on you and how you've operated this season. Now, I say all this, and and my goodness, like Kyle Whittingham is the greatest head coach of Utah football history. Mm -hmm. This man has a legacy that will be 100% untopped, untapped, you know, coaching tree galore. You know, no one has had a bigger effect outside of maybe Lavelle Edwards Mm -hmm. on football in this state than Kyle Whittingham. But just because you've done great things doesn't mean you can't be criticized to what we're doing right now. And they're just observations that we're making. And, and, and you know, these are things that are correctable. It doesn't mean that the program's on fire. It doesn't mean that, you know, everything is, is you know, throw our hands up, fire everybody, you know, all oh, that yes, kind of stuff. Yes. All it means is that, like, this is a program that I think has performed way outside of what it should be doing. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing some regression in the mean. You, you bring up the Vikings, like, you know, I – I'm not trying to knock on your Vikes, but eight and one was a surprise to everybody, even the yes, Vikings. It, yes, right? it was. Yes, it and was. And we're starting to see a regression to the mean a little bit now uh-huh. because that's what happens mm-hmm. over time. And I think that's Utah hit its peak last year, and now it's starting to come back down. And so now it's about okay, what resources do we need to add to the program? How can we develop NIL? How okay. can we do this stuff to where we can maximize Kyle as a coach and make him an even better coach? And I think that to me is the bigger red flag. So, I, I, you yeah. know, I, I'm not concerned about stuff in the building. I'm not concerned with any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm more concerned about how do we allocate resources and by resources at the end of the day, it's yes. How do you get that into the program so that you can keep functioning and, and catch up in terms? Because again, Utah has far outplayed the amount of resources that it gets. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and now it's starting to get to be a turning point a little bit. So I think those are the keys in the off season, you know, and, and it's, it's unfortunate. I didn't, we, sh- I shouldn't jump ahead too much because there's still a, a really important game to be played against Colorado and possibly a Pac-12 championship. And the bizarre part about this JT, this could be a Rose bowl team. I know. <laughs> this one is. They don't, they not, so, and the reason I've been so down is that they just don't deserve it to me. When you're 0 3 in your three biggest road games to this point, I don't feel like yeah. you deserve that opportunity. But hey, it doesn't matter what you deserve, it matters what happens. And they have an opportunity to do that. So it's very important. We have to talk about that too. But no, I think, like you said, make a great points. I talked mm-hmm. about adapting. I talked about that with Andy Ludwig yesterday. I feel like this offense has to adapt and make some changes because. 
there's a number of things and you look at that game yesterday and we talked about them on the day show as well as yesterday's where it's just like you got to change and grow more especially in your passing schemes in my opinion so we're going to come back and wrap this one up with a few more thoughts on the Oregon game and looking ahead a little bit too but first want to tell you guys about our friends at bet online bet online as you guys covered it's the number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis this season get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball pro and college soccer world cup anyone as brian mentioned maybe you should start betting on team usa after the performance they're having hopefully right now gosh by the time this airs i hope that they're able to kind of continue to grow and do those things um but if you love sports podcasts you can find those at bet online too we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix so head to bet online today or use a mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts and uh, Brian, we've talked a lot about this Oregon game, but I am curious just as a fan and of this team and this program, what were kind of your the emotional roller coaster you were on during that Oregon game? Because I know I was on something like, man, that would be at a Cedar Point. If you guys don't know what that is, it's a famous roller, roller coaster park in Ohio that I've been to. Uh, I, I doubt a lot of Utahns have been out to Cedar Point. Um, <laughs> I I wouldn't know what it was if I didn't have family that had lived out there at some oh. point, but um it was, uh, I just keep saying the same thing. It was an ugly game and somebody, yeah. you know, I tweeted out like, I'll have to watch the film, but I don't know that there's going to be a ton of answers that I didn't get watching it live. It was just sloppy game, sloppy execution, 830 kick, cold game, Oregon, wet, you know, blah, blah, blah. The highlights are definitely the emergence of Simone Peppa, that defense starting to really thrive. You know, Zamaya Vaughn, like, you know, Someone get Clark Phillips some some shorter shoelaces so that he can get a touchdown on that interception next time, you know. But that defense almost produced two TDs. Uh, somewhere up in heaven, John Peace is smiling. You know mm-hmm. who used to say four turnovers and a score. You know um, that was almost his dream game. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of good things to bring from this game in terms of the future. Uh, it was just sloppy and not fun football to watch. You know, it just. There wasn't a lot of energy coming into this game, too. Like, yeah. it does feel like even the fan base was a little bit like, this should have been the game. Like, everybody should have been buzzing. And kind of felt like it was like, well, we're here. I guess we'll go win, you know? Yeah. And, and I usually have a pretty good vibe for these games. I thought early in the week that Utah was going to get it done. And yeah, I, I did too. It just kind of, you know, kind of felt, felt the energy level just lacked. The energy level did lack, and it makes it interesting going into this week because we both expect Utah to take care of business against Colorado, and then they need help to get in the Pac-12 championship game. So when we lay it all out there, when USC, obviously they have their place secured, but looking at UCLA, I think they're going to beat Cal. That's a really good football team that barely lost to a really good USC team that in a lot of ways, as I mentioned, probably if they look back at that Utah game, I know they're kicking themselves because in a lot of ways they should have won that game. Then you look at the other scenarios. Utah needs Washington needs to beat Washington State, which should happen. But, I mean, rivalry games, anything can happen. And then I think the biggest one is Oregon State has to upset Oregon. And Oregon State, we know how tough they are, and I think they're definitely capable of doing it. But personally – I don't feel like this Utah team is going to be in a Pac-12 championship game because, personally, I just think Oregon's going to take care of business. I think the other two things happen, and I think Oregon gets it done. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, I, I mean, the nice part about it is that there's an easy way to kind of pick chalk in this one and, and, and an easy path for everything that Utah needs to happen to happen. What's really great is all of these games matter, right? Mm-hmm. They, like, everybody has to win, you know, in every game that they're playing in in order to have a shot and for things to unfold. So UCLA, it's all on y'all guys. Like, like you can't take this week off and just be like, well, whatever our season's done, we're out. 
because you still have an opportunity to do some great things. And you really a great good bowl season. game. Really yep. good bowl game if you win. Yep. Uh, in Oregon, same thing. Like you have a chance to go to the Pac-12 championship game now, and like, they they have to be locked in, and I I would have to expect them to lock in. Now they've got their hands full because we saw how effective Bo Nix was. Mm-hmm. That Oregon State defense is is not a pushover either, and that offense is going to be way better than Utah's was on Saturday. Yes. I'm, I'm I'm assuming right, so so yeah. that'll be a tough one. But you know, if everything goes as how we expect it and how we've seen things go all year. You know, it, it does kind of lay out like Utah's going to beat Colorado, Washington will beat Wazoo, uh, you know, UCLA will beat Cal, and Oregon will beat Oregon State. And if that all happens, then I guess you know, back to Vegas against USC, and and what a you know what a what a what a finish to the season that would be. You know, I think for one thing, and and for two, if if that's how it all plays out, yeah, <laughs> wow, incredible, you know, yeah. <laughs> It's been, yeah. he, he, kids, you think drugs are fun? Try watching Utah football. <laughs> like, <laughs> you've never had such a wild ride with sobriety. Oh, it really is. It's it's been it unbelievable. Is. It it really is crazy. And uh, makes but that's why point. we love college football, right? Like, and then you know, this is why you love. I hate right now that the only discussion is that you know USC has to win out to get the college football playoff, so that suddenly the Pac-12 can be validated. Because this has been the most amazing season and and just awesome you know kyle mentioned it the the conference cannibalizes itself every time and that's what you want you want competitive games you want everybody to have a clear chance to win so i think you know if you look at these these last games utah has to have the best chance to win right Mm -hmm. and then i think ucla has the next best and then i think it's probably washington and then oregon right yep so if everything falls the way it should, you know, then now all of a sudden it's just like, okay, well, we're here. And then I believe SC plays Notre Dame, right? I mean, they yep. have to win that one too. So I believe they're locked in the Pac-12 championship game. I mean, I they they are, but they have I'm to also, win that just, one because it's it's college football playoff, right? You're right. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I am I'm the same guy though who went on after the the Oregon loss and talked about how we were eliminated from Pac-12 title contention. So at the end of the day, yeah. what do I know anyway? <laughs> well, I mean, but that's the thing is like it's without the divisions and all the changes in the tiebreakers, mm-hmm. we've all kind of had to figure this out on the fly. Yeah. So I'm not going to fault you for that. Yeah. So I will fault you for not wearing any America colors today. Though, I, right? I got red and white on. And you got the blue eyes. We'll give you that. Hey, there we'll we go. You, yeah, we'll there that. we go. That's fair. That's, <laughs> That's why we love having you on. See, uh, great partner there. Helping me spotlight my USA colors. Um, <laughs> last thing, we're, we're celebrating Team USA soccer for all they've done. Obviously, there's a big American holiday this week in Thanksgiving. So, Brian, you are someone too. On make sure you guys follow Brian on Twitter at Brown Bear SLC every year. Um, I assume you're doing it again this year, having everyone share holiday plates. Holiday, holiday plates. Holiday plates. Always, yep. always a fun tradition to get in on. So, I'll ask you this, Brian: What are the best Thanksgiving foods? Wow, uh, that's a tough one. So I think the big debate right now is, is mac and cheese a, a Thanksgiving food? I say it is, uh, but even if it's not, and, and so you're giving me the head nod, like, nah, not so much. I, I mean, I don't even like mac and cheese. I'll come out with some Dan Orlowski oh food takes here. So, <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay, you Midwesterners, I don't yeah. know about that, but uh, I'm going to go with one that I love the most. It's stuffing. Mama Brown makes an amazing homemade stuffing. It's mine too. It puts, <laughs> it puts every stovetop stuffing you've ever had to shame. Uh, unbeatable. Um, but I will say this. I think across the board, mashed potatoes is the king. 
Oh, the king. Oh, that's a lot for me being the king. I, as someone who used to like when I was a kid, I tried mashed potatoes and almost threw it. But I come around and now I like I like mashed potatoes now. They'd be like probably my third or fourth in there. I'm a stuff. I'm, I'm with you on stuffing. You talked about stuffing a lot, stuffing. And I, I still love the turkey. Just the main thing. you. Can oh, yeah. For. That'll be turkey. my that's my second one. You can't go uh, wrong there. And then for dessert, give me a pumpkin roll or whatever uh, you got going on. And I'm good after that. But um, definitely Thanksgiving. When I was, you know, when you're a kid, like, it's like you love Halloween, probably the second most. As you get older, I feel like it's just like, no, I love Thanksgiving. I love star. I will starve myself during the day just to eat as much as of it I can when it rolls around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, my 48 hour fast starts tomorrow yeah. <laughs> to be able to fit as much food as I possibly can. But, you know, I, one neglected aspect of Thanksgiving rolls. Rolls are a Very critical true. piece. Very true. Don't overload on the rolls, gang. It's the offensive like, line of Thanksgiving. Stuff. It's underrated. Yeah. Well, very much so. And it's it's your foundation, right? It is. If you go too much on the rolls, Let's get a little dicey. Very good point. Can't over save room for those turkey sandwiches after the fact too. Oh, the left, yeah, leftovers always hit different. Can't go yeah. wrong with the leftovers either. Brian always cranberry sauce, a little stuffing, a little turkey. Yeah. Boom, you got a sandwich. Boom. There you go, Brian. Appreciate you supporting Team USA and the youth is always on our podcast. Make sure you guys follow Brian at Twitter once again at Brown Bear SLC. Appreciate all of you who have made Locked On Utes your first listen every day. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, we recommend you check out Locked On Sports today. It's the podcast that has the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions to the biggest games big recaps, the take of the day. It's all available on Odyssey YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We got a lot more fun stuff coming this week on Locked On Utes talking about this team as well as some Utah's other sports at Locked On Utes. So make sure you guys keep it here and we'll see you tomorrow.